0: Brian McClanahan show episode 405. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan show. Back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page. You can find all the social media accounts on my webpage, BrianMcClanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address and I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title, read by yours truly. You can support the show by going to McClanahanAcademy.com, where it's always free to enroll. You get a free class when you do enroll. Ten Myths of American History, and you get the best deals on new and forthcoming courses. And I have a new course out right now. It's really fantastic. The Originalist Papers, Part 1. It's a four-part series. This particular class covers 25 important documents that explain originalism. From seventeen uh, September 1787 to December 1787, I go through 25 speeches including and, and public documents, including some of the Federalist Papers. But the idea is to explain what the Constitution means through the people that actually argued what it meant when it was going through ratification. So there's going to be 100 documents total. This class is awesome because I cover the first 25. It's going to produce a two-volume book. This is going to be a fantastic thing, but you get part of that book when you enroll in the class. So... You're going to want this class, and right now, if you're on my email list, if you're a McClanahan Academy subscriber, you've known about it for a couple of weeks. If you're on my email list, you're also getting some great deals right now on some McClanahan Academy courses, my American President's class, my Founding Fathers class, some of my bundles, my War and Reconstruction bundle, my U.S. History Survey bundle. I've got great deals running right now, and these deals are going to expire February 22nd. So you're going to want to get in on that uh, if you are... Listening to this, of course, this episode is going to come out February 22nd. It's the last day to get these deals. You want it. You're going to want it. So head on over to mclanahanacademy.com and enroll. Also, you can support the show if you click on that support tab at brianmclanahan.com. You can throw a few pennies my way. You can get a book plate for one of my books. I've got many, many books. Newest book is Southern Scribbling, 60 Essays in Defense of the Southern Tradition. It's an awesome book. But you can get my autograph on it if you get a book plate. Click on that shop tab at BrianMcLanahan.com. Get my logo on all kinds of cool stuff. Go to LearnTrue T-R-U-E, Learn T-R-U-E, History.com. It's my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom, another great educational website where I teach. And as always, share the podcast around on social media. Rate it wherever you get your podcast. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. That's how we continue to grow the audience and get people engaged with the message. And this is uh, an interesting topic, I think, for this particular time period. I'm going to focus today on this outrage over Ted Cruz going to Cancun during a major winter storm in Texas. So if you haven't been following that, I don't... Look, and this this is the major problem. Part of the problem with this is that it's Twitter, right? Twitter went ballistic because Ted Cruz went to Cancun. His wife apparently insisted it was too cold in their place. they got to go to Cancun. So he takes his family to Cancun, and Twitter goes nuts. And eventually this ended up on the Drudge Report and some other places. But the problem is that everyone thinks that the world is Twitter. And we all know the world is not Twitter. I mean, I know Donald Trump spent a lot of time on Twitter. And he did it just to rile up the other side. I mean, he did it to uh, troll them almost all the time. Trump was a genius at getting people fired up on the left. And there's part of this. This episode is going to focus on part of that. So, Trump, uh, I'm sorry, Cruz goes to Cancun. uh, Everything goes crazy about this, and he comes home. And now that uh, there's calls for him to resign and all kinds of other things. Well, we all know Ted Cruz, as a United States senator, had no role and doing anything in Texas during this time period. This is bad optics. There's no doubt about it. Ted Cruz flying out of town to go to Cancun while there's an ice storm in Texas, as a United States Senator from Texas, is bad optics. On the other hand, the problems in Texas were not Ted Cruz's fault, but more pointing fingers back at the local governments, the state government, and some federal regulations that caused some of the problems in Texas. One of the things that was pointed out is that these power plants couldn't go through some of their protocols because of COVID restrictions, right? So they weren't allowed to go in and do some things because they couldn't social distance during these COVID restrictions. I mean, this is some of the idiocy of the left and some of the things they're worried about here. Now, on the other hand, you have someone like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez raising a million dollars to go into Texas. She's going to go campaign in Texas essentially now with a million bucks in her hand and say, look, this is what I did for you. Now vote for people that I agree with. Now, the sad thing about that is Cortez is a representative from New York. She doesn't represent Texas, but this is nationalism run amok. This is the idea that representatives represent everywhere in the United States. And so you're going to go into Texas and you're going to campaign there for Democrats in Texas with a million dollars in hand. Now, this is, again, great optics for Cortez and the Democrats. Look how compassionate we are. We're raising money to help them. Ted Cruz isn't. He's in Cancun. I raised money for you. The whole point is to get rid of Ted Cruz. Now, again, the left goes nuts when Ted Cruz uh, does not do what they think he should do for his constituents. They call it dereliction of duty. At the same time, you had Donald Trump just raked over the coals for this while he was president of the United States. While we have the COVID situation ravaging, your Trump is playing golf. What's going on here? What is he doing? Trump's going on vacation. Why is he going on vacation? He needs to be sitting in the White House right now. This is what the left is saying. He needs to be in the White House right now. We've got this pandemic. He's doing nothing. To solve the problem, Trump is absent while America simply falls apart. We need a real leader that's going to go into the White House and sit there and work and work and work and make sure that every last American gets a vaccine. That every last American has access to a vaccine. That every last American doesn't get covid and that the economy is saved, and that the Green New Deal is through, and we've got we're going to get two thousand dollar checks, and we're going to get, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to stop climate change, we're going to do all this stuff. And if the president just sat there in the executive office and did these things, everything would be better. So that's Joe Biden, right? That's Joe Biden. This is what the left was pushing for—a guy that wouldn't go out and play golf, and would sit in the executive office and make sure that we had the vaccines going out there, that we had uh, infrastructure in place, that the climate change was going to stop. You can see, this problem in Texas is all caused because of climate change. They've never had cold there in Texas before. Now they have. We know it because we have a record of it. This stuff happens every now and then. Once in a, once in a lifetime. Maybe once in a generation we're going to get this, but Texas gets these things. Nobody was talking about climate change when this happened before, and it has happened before. It's not because of... Not, it wasn't then because of fossil fuels, but now it is, you see, because humans are so powerful we can control the environment. It's just idiotic. But you see, the left is not consistent. They're hypocritical in what they do. And I'm going I'm to give you Two headlines, one from December 2020 and one from February 2021 to show this. December 27th, 2020, headline from CNN, Nero fiddled Trump plays golf. From Dean Obadalla, writes this. He's an attorney and he's got his own show, the Dean Obadalla show. He's at the, at the Daily Beast. So, Trump is out playing golf while we've got a defense bill that he didn't sign. And we've got these things going on and Trump is just playing golf. What the heck is happening here? Dino Badala can't believe it. Can't believe it! December 2020. Now, these are the same people that didn't want Trump in the executive office. But now that Trump's playing golf, I mean, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. So, that's December 27th, 2020. Seems like A lifetime ago, right? We're not even two months out from that. And then you have Newsweek's headline, February 15th, 2021, from Marina Watts. Joe Biden playing as Luigi wins in Mario Kart against granddaughter at Camp David. So it's okay for Joe Biden to kick back and relax. In fact, the first sentence, how did Joe Biden relax during his first President's Day weekend as president, by playing Mario Kart with his family. It's okay for Biden to relax, but not for Trump. Biden hasn't even been in office three weeks yet at this point, right? Or I guess he had been, about three weeks. Yeah, about three weeks. Three weeks, he already needs a vacation. Needs a vacation, three weeks out, he's going to take the long weekend, go there. Look, now I'm fine with Joe Biden going playing some Mario Kart. I'll tell you why, because he can't sign executive orders while he's doing that. But Newsweek, it's, I mean, this is completely fine. In fact, the headlines we're getting from Biden right now are just all fluff. Joe Biden likes to put a log on the fire. Joe Biden's dog is great. Joe Biden likes to sit back and play Mario Kart. And nobody is holding the man accountable at all. There's no accountability here. He can stand on stage at a town hall. This is part of the problem with you know, nationalism, republicanism. We don't have that anymore, but we have this faux Republicanism. He can go to a town hall and say, there was no vaccine when I became president, even though he'd been vaccinated twice already. He can stand up there and say, there was no distribution plan, even though Fauci produces one and says, wait a second, there was. He can say all of these things. It was all there. But yet, he can say these things and no one holds him accountable. He can say that, we're going to hold the press, the people in our press corps, in our administration, people that are in charge of media and our administration accountable, yet one guy threatens to just essentially abuse someone, and that guy isn't isn't fired. He resigns. And they had the story for weeks, and they didn't do anything about it. In fact, there's a really interesting piece in the Hill of All Places that rips Biden and rips the press. He calls it the marshmallow treatment of Biden. He knew it was going to be bad, but it's worse. See, Biden gets a free pass. Biden gets a free pass because he's one of them. And this is the case at any time, right? Trump never had these kind of kid gloves. There were never any fluff pieces on Donald Trump. I can't remember really even seeing one. Melania Trump was always doing everything wrong. If Melania Trump had gone out and put some stupid uh, signs on the White House lawn... I mean, if you saw this, Joe Biden puts... Valentine's Day stuff, they, 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 like like an elementary school. If, if Melania Trump had done that, oh my gosh. I mean, it would have been uh, ripped to shreds by the left. But Jill Biden does it, and, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, it's the greatest thing ever. This is the problem. The media really isn't the media in terms of objectivity. Now, I've made this point before, even on this podcast. There's there's never been an objective press. We need a free press, but not a fair press or an objective press. We need enough people out there that can put other opinions there and let people sort through this stuff. You point out their stupidity and their hypocrisy, and if people have a brain, they're going to see it and think, wait a second here, something's not right. Now, Biden, one of, the, one, of the, one of the worst things about Biden, this is a man that wanted to be president for almost his entire political career, and he finally gets it. Any person like that should never be allowed to sniff the executive office. And we've seen what he's done. He's become an elected king. He's signed executive order after executive order after executive order. He doesn't care about the Congress because he doesn't need to. He doesn't want the Congress. He knows that he's never going to get anything through the Congress right now. A lot of his, his agenda is getting blocked there. And good, rightly so. Right? Even with Democrats holding a one seat majority in the Senate, with Kamala Harris breaking the tie, tie, you're not going to get enough senators really to go through with anything that Joe Biden wants. Now, they're going to use reconciliation. But if the Republicans were doing this, can you imagine what the media would be saying about this? Oh my gosh, reconciliation. It's the terrible, we're going to get the terrible legislation. We're going to kill grandma. Drive people to homelessness. My point in all this is that we should want the president playing Mario Kart. We should want the president playing golf. These are things we should want. And I'm going to get to a piece I wrote in 2012 in a minute. But part of the, another problem with all these things is that what we have in America today, it's not really nationalism that's the problem. I mean, it's bad. It's not really progressivism, and that's just bad, too. But it's really Puritanism. You see, what we have in America is political Puritanism. We government has become a secular religion, and on one side you have the Puritans. Now, if you don't, the, the Puritans of the 17th century were dissenters from the Anglican Church who wanted to purify the church, take out the Catholic dogma in it, and make it more Protestant. They wanted to purify the Anglican Church. And if you didn't agree with them, well, I mean, you could be killed for that. Massachusetts Bay Colony was not a a home of toleration. Quakers were killed. Others were banished. Baptists banished. There's a reason why Roger Williams went to Rhode Island because he was booted out by John Winthrop, or John Winthrop as we we say. Same thing with John Realwright. Went to New Hampshire because he and Winthrop didn't get along. And that kind of ideology has been now applied to politics. If you don't agree, if you don't toe the line on what we think... This is cancel culture. I mean, The Puritans were awful. They wanted to get rid of Christmas. They wanted to get rid of music. They wanted to get rid of dancing. Now we know that the cancel culture people don't want to do that unless it's stuff they don't like, and then it has to be canceled. There are the Puritans. They are the political Puritans just applying this now instead of religion. They're not trying to cancel Catholicism or or Baptists or Methodists. They're not trying to get rid of that. They're trying to get rid of Anything they don't like, and that's political dissent, because now politics to them is a religion. It's anybody that has utters a word that they don't think is correct. Well, then you got to get rid of these people, you got to cancel them. They're dangerous. This is, I mean, this goes back years and years. I mean, this is now it's just becoming more prominent. But you go back, there was a uh, when Rush Limbaugh died. I went back and I looked. There was a 60 Minutes expose on Rush Limbaugh in 1991. And what did they want to do? They called him the most dangerous man in America. Why? And R- Limbaugh always said this in his program. Why did they call him that? Because he said things these people didn't like. And to them, that's dangerous. It's dangerous to say things that I don't like. Because people might believe it. That's dangerous. So we've got the political Puritans running around running everything. Now, I mean, they are. Look, they control the media. They control the executive branch. They control the legislative branch. And this is a major problem in America. Now, I again, I made the case in 2012. Now, almost almost 10 years ago. It's nine years ago, actually, when I wrote this piece. In fact, I wrote this piece in January of 2012. January 1st. Published on New Year's Day... 2012. So a little over nine years ago now, we're going up, you know, almost year, a little less than a year out from 10 years ago, and this was after I wrote my Founding Fathers Guide to the Constitution. And part of the reason I I wrote my nine presidents who screwed up America is because I wrote that book. A lot of people had a laser beam focus on the presidency, and that gets into this idea of Puritans. You know I mean they focus on the presidency because Americans really actually do like elected kings. When their guy's in office, they're good with it. When their guy's not in office, they're not good with it. That's the problem. We don't have anyone that's consistent. Calhoun pointed this out. In fact, when Obama was playing a lot of golf, even some on the left were highly critical of this. Some on the right were also highly critical of it because Obama, is dere- to them, was dereliction of duty. He's not sitting around in the executive office. My point was, keep him out of the links. Don't get him, Don't let him legislate with a pen and a phone. Get Joe Biden away from the executive office as much as possible, where he can't legislate with a pen and a phone. So when I wrote this 10 years ago, nearly now, I brought this up. According to this website, Barack Obama has hit the links 91 times since taking the oath of office in 2009. That is a record, and he has 13 more rounds scheduled during his current 17-day Hawaiian vacation. Talk show host Joe Pagg spent several minutes discussing Obama's golf habit the other day while filling in for Sean Hannity. He's not alone in the almost universal condemnation of Obama's apparent disregard for the responsibilities of the office of president. Those on the left, like Chris Matthews, think Obama is failing in his primary objective as legislator-in-chief. And you're seeing this now a little bit with Biden. Wait a second here. Why aren't you in the office trying to get people on board with this $2,000 stimulus check and these other things? What's going on here, Joe? You're playing Mario Kart. So Biden's got to appear like he's always there working because he knows those on the left. They expect him to be legislator-in-chief. You see, the left is consistent in many ways on what they really want. They want Joe Biden signing executive orders. They want it because to them, that's particularly those in Congress, they don't have to do anything then. Just ram it through Congress. We see what Elizabeth Warren and others are saying about student loan debt cancellation. Joe Biden could just cancel $50,000. He can just do it. We don't need Congress to do this. Biden, to his credit, is saying, wait a second here, we need Congress to do this. I I can't do that. Those on the right cite this supposed dereliction of duty as evidence that Obama cannot handle the job, is overwhelmed and overmatched, and should step down. They insist a real president, like George W. Bush, who famously stopped golfing to show solidarity with soldiers serving in Iraq, would respect the office and show the American people that he is at work for them. So again, optics. George W. Bush wasn't doing anything. He could have gone and played golf. In fact, he should have played more golf. The President of the United States is there to essentially handle foreign policy. Not domestic policy. Not sign executive order after executive order after executive order. We don't need a legislator-in-chief. The Constitution and the ratification process is very clear on this, as I bring up in my originalist papers class. In fact, I said in this 2012 piece, I have a better suggestion. Please, for the sake of the United States, Mr. Obama, keep golfing. In fact, I would like you to get, like it if you went golfing every day. Stay far away from the Oval Office and fulfill your constitutional duty by letting Congress legislate while you avoid doing anything that might be construed as legislative in nature. I pointed this out in my Founding Father's Guide to the Constitution. The Constitution, as ratified, does not give the President legislative power. In fact, it was pointed out over and over again in the ratification process. To be sure, Obama is breaking modern protocol by a seemingly uninspired executive performance. James K. Polk, president from 1845 to 1849, was the first to show the American people that he was willing to burn the midnight oil, literally, while in office. He had gas lights installed in the White House in order to work through the night. Abraham Lincoln spent many nights at the War Department during the war between the states. Grover Cleveland often worked 20-hour days and at least six days a week. And both Roosevelt spent long hours poring over legislation and playing politics. These men were not alone. From Woodrow Wilson's new freedom to George W. Bush's compassionate conservatism to Barack Obama's hope and change, the American presidency has become the staging ground for legislative proposals and agendas. Americans in the modern era demand that their president put his nose to the grindstone and put in 20-hour days. That is the problem. An early president such as Polk can be excused for working long hours. They answered much of their correspondence in person and not have the convenience of modern technology or large staffs. Cleveland worked long days in an attempt to thwart the volumes of unconstitutional legislation that crossed his desk. But the others spent many hours trying to transform the general government and enhance presidential authority. The president has become a kneecapper, a bully as Teddy Roosevelt called the office. A man responsible for giving the treatments of Lyndon Johnson. He is now charged with bringing both wavering supporters and opponents of his legislation alike in line. That is appropriate behavior for a king or a dictator, but not for a limited executive. Barack Obama avoids this type of activity, thankfully, and thus has met the const- consternation of the left and the ridicule of the right. This is one area where he is acting more like the founding generation than not. See, you can't say I didn't give Obama credit for something. Now, he is one of the presidents who screwed up America. It was awful. I mean, he, his legislative, particularly in the second term, now, he had, he had not been elected for a second term yet in 2012, in January of 2012. He was going to get to the campaign trail pretty soon. And he made this clear, look, when I'm in my second term, I can do more. And his second term was over the top with abuse of power. First term in some ways, too. But, I mean, Obama let it rip in the second term. The job of being president has lost his constitutional mooring. The president was never supposed to be the CEO of the United States, the man who single-handedly ran the country, He's not the head of a party, a political hack, who makes great speeches of the chief legislator responsible for ramming his legislation through Congress. He's not a prime minister. The more Obama plays golf, the less Americans have to worry about his legislative agenda. By the way, I'd also like, to, like him to bring along most of the 535 members of Congress, particularly the folks who think creating more regulations, passing more laws, and adding more debt and pork to the general budget are the proper roles of a member of Congress. As the great Roman historian Tacitus wrote around 117 A.D., the more numerous the laws, the more corrupt the government. Nothing changes. So spend as much time away from Washington as possible and leave the specific concerns of the American people to state and local governments. That is true federalism and the original intent of our federal republic. Again, I wrote that in 2012 at the Daily Caller. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. In fact, it's only gotten worse. So we've got executive government and we've got unaccountable executive government, which is the real problem. Unaccountable executive government. And we've got the press that covers for people like Joe Biden and Barack Obama, whoever else, they cover for them. Whereas if Trump and Cruz did anything like this, and we've seen it, Ted Cruz goes to Cancun. I mean, look, that's that's great. You got the means, get out of Texas. Why would you stick around? Get out. The United the job of the United States Senator is not to make sure the power's on. In Texas, just like the job of the president isn't to jab people with vaccines. But if they're not working, putting their nose to the grindstone, doing what they're supposed to do, we think these people are not doing their job. It's a dereliction of duty. It's a sad commentary on American politics, the Puritan nature of American politics, that we have to even talk about this, that Americans don't really know that a U.S. senator is not responsible for the power grid of Texas. But at the same time, you've got Cortez out there raising money to go in. I mean, this is what they think Ted Cruz should be doing. Raising money, standing out there handing out soup or whatever it is. He should be standing there. He's a servant of the people. And again, bad optics. No doubt about it. Ted Cruz should have known better. He knows the left is after him. He should have known better. But uh, it's not his job to keep the power on in Texas. It's not the federal government's job to keep the power on in Texas. That's the job of state and local authorities or private companies or whatever the case may be in Texas. This is their job, not the general government. And people that are looking for the general government to come in and save the day or whatever. I mean, this is, again, this is political Puritanism in the United States. It's nationalism. It's all the things that this podcast is against. There's no personal responsibility, no nothing in this particular situation. So... Maybe one day we'll have the press hold the presidents, all presidents, accountable for their stupidity, and that we'll think that the president's not designed to be the chief legislator or the gardener in chief, or the pool boy in chief, or this chief executive officer, or the chief financial officer. We'll think the president's not not one of those things. I don't see it happening anytime soon because look, the left wants, they need centralization of power. This is where I have a you know podcast on Blue State secession. I said, look, I mean, this is very difficult for the left to understand, but they need centralization of power to push their agenda because they are the Puritans and if you're a heretic, if you're on the right, you're a heretic and you must be dealt with in one way or another. And usually that's through cancel culture. Cancel them. Cancel them. because we can't have any dissenting voices out there because that creates that's dangerous. For people to think not like us, is dangerous. If you're not a Puritan, that's dangerous to the community. It's the, it's the type of liberty that the Puritans advocated. Individual liberty out the window, unless you're a special person. If you ever want to read, now I, I talk about this in my United States History Survey course at McClanahan Academy, but I'll just say this in passing. Puritan liberty is the liberty of the community over individual liberty unless you have a special unless you're a special person. Then you get special privileges. But most people don't have those. You see, this is the Puritanism. This is what we have in Washington, D.C. We have the Puritans, New England running the government. And most people don't like it. Most people don't like it because they see what it is. I mean, it's California, you've got it in several states. You've got it in some states, you've got it in the general government. They don't like the political class being above the other people. They can get and do whatever they want to do, but the other people have to sit at home, suffer, not make income, whatever it is that they have these things. And uh, they want the community to have liberty over the individual. So, freedom from freedom. I'm, I'm afraid of people with COVID, so you better wear four masks over your face. That's puritanical liberty. It's a real problem in America. You want to point to a group of people that cause problems in America? It's the 17th century Puritans because their ideology has been transformed from religion, which I know a lot of you know my evangelical friends get very upset when I bash the Puritans, but it's transferred from religion now to politics. And that's a real, real problem. All right. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you next time. See you then.